Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are talking about blessings. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay. Uh, it's, again, good. We haven't been together here for a little bit. No, it's been a while. It has. So uh, it'll. it's good to get back onto the uh, swing of things here. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about, as you mentioned, blessings, but it's also going to come back to Lent a bit. Oh, man, you always like to yeah. correct me, Well, it's, even though you give me the topic. That, that is true. It's, it's, but somehow it all, it all comes together. It all comes back. And, and you might say, what? what? You know, why, why are we doing this? Um, why are we talking about blessings when it's Ash Wednesday? Well, actually, there's a very good reason for it. And... It, it, like I said, it just it all comes, it all circles around, it all connects. And I think that's that's an important part, sometimes a, a very important part that people forget, that so many of these things are interconnected. And it's when we have the broader understanding uh, of whether it's of church, whether it's of sacrament, whether it's of why we do what we do, when we have that broader understanding, we begin to see how uh, how intricately it does interconnect in so many ways. And so, just to talk a little bit about blessings, because we're going to get into Lent as time, you know, as uh, as we move on a little bit further. Look at some of the the whys, the hows, the origins of of why we as a church, because we as a church do an awful lot of blessings of things, and we didn't always. <laughs> that wasn't always the case. But we as a church do an awful lot when it comes to blessings. Pets, dogs, houses, vehicles, cars. you know, uh, you name it, pictures, jewelry, mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of things. And, and some sometimes more significant than others. But here again, it, it has so much to do with of, of what ultimately we believe and how we go back to our beginnings. And, and, and so when we think about blessings, first, I'm not going to even talk right away about blessings because we have to, we have to start in the very beginning. It's a very good place to start as the song <laughs> oh, you goes. You took my joke. <laughs> and uh, so it's whenever you talk about blessings, whenever you talk about anything about our church, it's first and foremost about God. No matter if it's about a theology, if it's about a saint, if it's about a blessing, if it's about a ritual, if it's about a sacrament, First and foremost, it's always about God. And we always have to go back to that start. Is it, um, it's not about ideas or one's intelligence or how creative somebody thinks that they are about God. God's the beginning of it all. God is the source of it all. And, and, and we must not forget that. We as a people must not forget that. Um, sometimes we, you know, we think that, that it's, it's my goodness, my intelligence, my whatever it is, has to start with God. We are the created. He is the creator. We're the instruments. He is the prime mover in it all. And, and when we let the power, the grace of the Spirit move in us, in a sense, allow us to be those instruments then tremendous, tremendous things can happen. Uh, there is a tremendous then creativity that can take place uh, when we allow ourselves, you know, to be at uh, the instrument of the hand of God. 
And it's not so much, you know, that somehow, you know, we're just being used or whatever. <clears throat> it's not about that because literally we always have to make choices. And that comes in with freedom of choice uh, and those kinds of things. Is that we have to be able to recognize and to freely recognize the primacy of God and to freely allow ourselves to be at the disposal of God. And, and so it has to begin has to begin there. If it starts there, then it makes sense why, why there is virtually nothing or no one we can we can't bless, you might say. Uh, because a lot of times you know people have looked at me and said, why would you bless that that their SUV or their snowmobile or you know their ATV or their motorhome or their house? Whatever it might be. Why would you bless that? Who cares? Well, when you take it out of the context of that, you know, all is first and foremost created by God and, and through God, then, then it begins to recognize, it's simply recognizing the presence and, and the primacy of God in, in even how this thing, this instrument, this whatever was, was created. And we begin to see how how valuable that is. Um, you know, and the other thing too is that uh, when we bless something, um, it can make a difference. It, it can make a difference in the way that a person perceives it. It can make a difference in the way that somebody might use it. Uh, it can make a difference in the way a person, you know, the context that a person places it in. And, and those differences, uh, you know, have an effect on how we live, how we love, how, how, we, how we can make the world a better or a worse place, you know, if, if, in, in, in a way that we, we want to use something. Whether it's, you know, it could be a weapon, it could be, uh, it could be a medicine, it could be we can make the world a better place or we can make the world a worse place. What are we going to choose to do? Do we allow that sense of God's presence in our lives motivate us and, and guide us? Or do we allow profit? Do we allow our anger? Whatever. So it's, it's, I've, I've blessed rifles that people use for hunting. Hmm. And, and they enjoy hunting. They, they, anything that they hunt or anything that they kill is always processed for food. It is not uh, thrown somehow into landfills. I remember years ago, a dear friend of mine who used to live up near Tomahawk, and he was able to share with us, he said that he worked with the DNR for a while. And this goes back a ways, but he would say that one of the ways that they knew how many deer and such or animals would be harvested in a year is they would go to the landfills and they would count the bodies. Oh my gosh. People would shoot the animal and simply throw it in a <gasps> landfill. That's terrible. Again, we can make a choice. We can harvest an animal or whatever, whatever it might be, and we can throw it away, or we can harvest and we can feed people for weeks. What are we going to do with it? The, it, the rifle doesn't make that choice, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, we make the choice in how we use those kinds of instruments. And so a blessing for a rifle, let's say, was a blessing of safety, a blessing of of being aware, a blessing of kindness, a blessing of respect, a blessing that, you know, th this is not used in for violence. Again, 
we can bless anything. How it's used is, is many ways is, is up to us. So it's, it's, it first and foremost always has to start somehow with God. Secondly, our faith tradition, the Roman Catholic tradition, uh, started out being what one might call organic. Um, over the centuries, our faith tradition has become what it is today, but it certainly didn't start out that way, you know? <laughs> what? They didn't all start out in big, huge churches? Uh, no. <laughs> oh. Jesus didn't invent or discover the Catholic Church. Not at all. Uh, it's amazing how oftentimes it is perceived that, you know, that's who discovered Roman Catholicism. Jesus planted seeds. You might say he started a movement. He started a way of understanding God, God's love for us, our love for God. He started, he planted seeds of what it meant, uh, you know, to treat each other with a sense of respect and dignity. We have taken those seeds that he planted. We have taken that and we've run with it over the centuries. Jesus did not sit down at any time and say, that we know of, and say, uh, I'm going to call it Roman Catholicism. Uh, no, didn't happen. So what we are today uh, didn't start out that way. As I said, he planted seeds. And, and the letters that, and, and, and we know this in so many ways, because when you read the letters of, of Peter, James, Paul, especially to Paul's letter to Timothy, what it shows is that it shows a young, fledgling, community that followed Jesus trying to figure out their place in the world, trying to figure out what they were, what they were going to become, and how they were going to put it all together. Uh, they're trying to figure out how do we make sure that the truth is passed on. They tried to figure out, you know, once they realized that, you know, the world was not going to end immediately, and they thought initially that it was, once they realized that the world was not going to end initially, uh, right away, and they had no idea when it might end, they had a huge task before them of, now what do we do? How do we make sense out of all of this? First of all, how do we make sure that the, that the genuine tradition that Jesus taught and, and those things that he shared, how do we make sure that that's the stuff that he actually shared? How do we make sure that the, that the truth that was there, the kernels of truth, and how we shape and form those, as anyone's guess, you know, and it was theirs also, how do we shape and form those, you know, had to be discovered. It, it, again, it was no one sat down and, and said, you know, okay, we're going to call this a theology. and we're gonna, That came later as you had the great you know, they called the fathers and mothers of the church, the great thinkers, the philosophers, you know, all of the talking heads, no matter how holy or unholy they were, you know, all of them had to take what was organically brought together and had to make more sense out of it as the world changed, as people changed, as the structures changed, they had to make sense out of all so of this. So it's living and breathing, kind of like... Exactly. We are now in some respects. Exactly. And see, the, the problem with all of this is that we think it was, it was always this way, which 
eyeball we said is that that means it was this way at least a week and a half. <laughs> um, it's there has other than Jesus is Lord, even that was questionable in the beginning. Nothing has always been this way. All of a sudden, what you have is important events in people's lives now become ritualized, and we call them sacraments. But at one time, there were five sacraments. One time, there was only one sacrament, five sacraments, nine sacraments, 12 sacraments, and we finally brought it back to seven. Who was right? <laughs> Who was right? Again, living and breathing. So, Seven's that magical number. So. Well, and I'm sure that that was why 12 was in there too, and three, and a lot of other yeah. numbers. Is you begin to look at that and saying, you know, we have here, we have here a sense of taking these events, looking at what are the key, many of the key events, and they didn't happen all at one time either. When you think about it, Jesus didn't discover any of the sacraments. Those are developments that came out of what he taught. No one sat down and said, let's do seven sacraments. So you had, also you had um, a common, commonplace gatherings, a meal, over the centuries become what we know as Eucharist. No one, you know, there was no family that sat down and said, Ooh, let's break bread and let's let's make Jesus. You know, that, that's putting it crudely. But see, the thing is, is that that's oftentimes how people think, as opposed to recognizing the sacredness and the holy experience that people had when they gathered. You know, that, that idea of the road to Emmaus. We knew it was him in the breaking of the bread. In other times when they, you know, when they were sitting down, you know, at, at the beach and he cooked them breakfast, when they were in these marvelous and powerful moments, commonplace things like gathering and having a meal, people began to realize it as we told the stories and all of that, people realized that the Lord was very much present. They didn't know how he was present, but they knew he was present. They could sense it. They could feel it. They experienced it in any number of ways. Over the centuries, we started talking about it. And we give it fancy names of transubstantiation and all of those things. The thing is, is that what we're trying to do is we're trying to describe the indescribable and trying to make sense out of it. Each generation, each group of people had to do the same. We just happened to settle as, as time went on. We just happened to settle for lots of different reasons, sometimes great, sometimes not so much. Sometimes it was rooted in faith, sometimes it was rooted in politics. We simply decided, you know, that at some point, this is what we're going to call it. You think about it, could we call it something else in the next few hundred years? Sure we could. You know, no one would, you know, probably say that out loud, except someone dumb like me. <laughs> and... You know, to be able to recognize that what's important is, I believe, is what's important is that we keep, we keep the organic aspect to it. Not that it changes every week, but even with some of these things here, uh, Lindsay, is that it took hundreds of years for some of this stuff to finally settle. There were plenty of fights. People lost their lives. People lost their jobs. People, you know, were exiled. People were sentenced to prisons trying to figure this all out. 
And there were groups that felt very strongly about it. And, and if they didn't have a big enough army, they got their butts kicked and were thrown out. Then they got a big army and then their idea came back. Organic. Mm-hmm. Um, or, organic. Uh, and I suspect that in so many ways that the early Christians, if they were to look at what we do today with, with a lot of these things that have developed over you know, a century or so, not a century, a <laughs> millennia or so, you know, they would have no clue what we're doing. They would probably scratch their heads. I think at times Jesus himself would scratch his head and saying, how did you get that <laughs> how did you get from there? what I said? <laughs> you know, yeah, how did, how did you get there? And, and we'd, we'd probably have a good reason, way to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I suspect he would say, oh, okay. Other times, I have a feeling because of some of the things that were done, he would only shake his head and he, would, he could only say, who? And yet, what a terrible cost you paid for that. So you could call it a particular name. What a terrible cost. It's like a parent being disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I, I think you're right. So over time, lots of reasons, and like I say, it's sacred and secular and all of that, is that we're used. But, but one of the things that I think is a little more uh, prevalent in our time is that you have this separation of the sacred and the sec- secular. Is that as if somehow there is anything that is not ultimately of God. And see, the early Christians would have never thought that way. Everything was ultimately of God. And so what you did is that when you blessed, you recognize that. Today, we like to put things in sacred and secular categories and saying, well, you can bless this stuff, but you can't bless this. You can bless bless that rosary, but you can't bless that car. You can bless that cross, but you can't bless that RV or, or whatever it might be. Uh, that you can't bless. Like, well, sure we can. And, and, and there's good reason why. And, and I think after the Second Council happened, is that it's, they started to bring much of that together again. And ultimately then, in the late 70s and early 80s, they came up with a book of blessings. That, you know, and, and I'm sure I suspect you've seen it. It's either there's a, a large blue edition or it's a brown edition. You know, there are two. One. I'm sure at some point yeah, I have. I'm sure yes. you've seen it. And in it are just hundreds of blessings. And then they even have blessings that say, this is a blessing for something that has wheels. And you say, <laughs> oh, Lord, bless, fill in the blank, you know, because it has wheels. This is a blessing of a, of a, let's say, an object that is used for Mass. Oh, Lord, bless this because it is used for the sacred liturgy. Bless this, fill in the blank. They have specific blessings for certain things, often um, usually scripturally based where they might have been mentioned. It's like a Mad Libs game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, and it's recognizing, though, in the middle of all of that, is you have, it, it, it brings things back together into saying, Ultimately, everything is sacred. Again, how we use it. But no matter what it is and and how it was created or how it came to be, it ultimately is rooted in God. It's always about God. And it's being able to to take that and to realize that there is nothing that we can't bless. There is nothing that we can't 
call down God's grace upon and ask that it be used wisely, it be used uh, conscientiously, it be used with respect, it be used, whatever the terms you want to use, that somehow it is, it is something that is ultimately can be used and can speak of God and speak of God's presence. Now, I know that's a long way around <laughs> to getting to the issue of blessing. Blessings. But, but doesn't it, it, it really makes, begins to make sense then that when you start to look at blessings, whether of what we would term as sacred objects, whether as, as people's homes and such, why would it not make sense when you think about it that when you think of all of the rituals that we have ultimately started in a very organic way in people's homes with a family or a clan gathering, when you think about baptism, baptism in and of itself, and I mentioned this before when we talked about sacraments, baptisms, the origins of what we call baptism are rooted in what were called tribal drowning rites. The idea being is that when a young man came of age, usually about 12, 13, or 14, when he hit puberty, he became now as a man in the tribe. What the elders did is they took him down to the river or a source of water or something, and then they would take him and walk him into that river, and then they would take him and forcibly stick his head under the water until they figured he was just about ready to drown. Then they would pull him up, coughing, spitting, and sputtering, and let him know, and they would do this a couple of times, is that they would let him know, you need the tribe to keep you alive, but this tribe can also take you out. Wow. We need each other. But the idea was, you belong to something bigger now than yourself. And you have a responsibility as a new man in this culture, you have a responsibility to all of these people here with using your gifts and talents. And not to do so is a betrayal of everything that this whole tribe stands for. We will be there to help keep you alive, but if you screw up really bad, we'll take you out. They were drowning rites. That's where baptism, it's What's baptism? You're something bigger. You're part of something bigger. You are connected. You have a responsibility. All of the same pieces, other than, you know, trying to drown somebody, all of the same pieces are there. And it was, again, these organic things. So when we talk about blessing of people in all of those circumstances, it only makes sense that we be able to bless these people and these places. The house. You know, when you think of one's home, you learn about... Hopefully you learn about respect, you learn about hygiene, you learn about sharing, you learn about being loved unconditionally, you learn about, yeah, you screw up, but we're still able to forgive. All of these, that's what you're supposed to learn in these places. So when I bless a house, when I go in and bless a house, I don't just stand in the door and say, bless this house, oh God. I got a blessing for each room, kitchen, nourishment, being healthy, um, uh, you know, uh, bathroom, being healthy, taking care of the sacredness of one's body, bedroom, you know, sleep, again, uh, affection, love, um, the living room, community gathering, um, you know, uh, again, dining room, 
you know, communal eating and stuff. All of these rooms, basement, everything, even the even the attic, <laughs> um, you know, and the front door. The front door being a blessing, saying, "Let no." One of the blessings that I have for the front door is, "Let no evil spirit come over this threshold. St- keep away, Lord. You know, anger and hatred and envy and all of those things. Let all who come over this threshold, let them be welcomed as your presence, O God." Blessings come from that organic peace. And, and so when you think about where all of, uh, virtually all of our sacraments and, and those things come from, rooted in house and family, house blessing makes all the sense in the world. I've done, you know, and different communities have different histories of this. I, will, I have been in parishes where we have dozens and dozens of blessings of homes. And then I've been in places where it's never done. <laughs> I think it's just part of a, a tradition, you know, where it's sometimes rude or not. I've had places where you're blessing cars, blessing motorcycles, blessing RVs, blessing. And, and the blessing always saying, you know, one, let us discover your goodness, your greatness, O God, by going different places, different lands. Let us be respectful on the road. Let not anger, rage, you know, control our actions. Let us be safe. Let us tend to one another in an emergency. Again, all of these things speak of who we are to be when it comes, you know, to be people of God, when it comes to be disciples. Blessings, in many ways, uh, can instill confidence. Blessings can calm fears. Um, I have been one in homes where people, for whatever reason, do not feel safe. Some people would say they're haunted. Other people will say there is, there is, there is a bad spirit here, you know. And um, and I I do not take that lightly. Not that I'm, you know, I, I just presume they're a whack job. But I take that seriously, because if that is what they experience, then that needs to be addressed. And so I will go into then go into a home and not only bless the home and the rooms, but then I will add the blessing of protect this home, keep out all evil. You know, if there is a spirit, whatever, a presence, Lord, through the sacred name of your son, banish it. You know, that this may be a place of safety, a place of security, a place of hope, of joy, of whatever it might be. Um, people will share with me there's a very different presence. There's a very different presence in the relationship. There's a diff- Now, was it an evil spirit? Maybe. But maybe it was reminding the people there that they need to bring the presence of Christ into their home. And they do that by how they treat one another. That love is the motivator, not anger, not greed, not envy. Um, I have been, you know, places where people have said that they have felt, you know, uh, that that a de- an evil demon or spirit is there, whether in their body or wherever. Sometimes, sometimes some of our seniors, depending, might experience this. Not only seniors; there's a lot of people who experience this. Again, I take it very seriously, and so I will. I will go there and I will bless and and talk about, you know. Um, 
that, that this place of residence, again, being a sacred space, cast out anything that would bring evil. Uh, sometimes I will anoint them with the sacrament of anointing, which also can speak of, 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 of protecting from anything that is evil, um, mm. depending upon which prayers you use. That's why it's, that's why it's always good to, to take a look at all the prayers <laughs> in there because, you know, depending upon the circumstance, you can use these prayers in lots of ways of not just anointing, but saying banish evil spirits, banish anything that would bring sickness, banish, and, and in the name of Jesus, you are banishing anything. You know, people say, I need an exorcism. No, not really, you know. Exorcisms are used for some things that are very specific, and there are p people that have particular gifts and are trained to do exorcisms. It used to be one of the um, ministries that every priest had. They don't do that anymore. And I think that's wise. I think that's <laughs> wise. Because too often, sometimes the clergy were caught in the ruse or didn't recognize the, the psychological issues and they simply perpetuated what, what shouldn't have been perpetuated. So if a person, you know, really goes that route, well, then you call in some people that have specialists that are, that are able to take care of that. Um, but oftentimes it has more to do with simply knowing that God protects them, that knowing that, knowing that they are loved. Again, it is very organic. And by organic in some ways, I mean it is rooted in who we are as human beings. That... You know, when you when you think about you know some of the tribes in the past, you would have the Shah men or the Shah women, the uh, those who were connected to the spirit world. Um, I think there was I think there's a whole lot more truth to that than a lot of times uh, our faith tradition and many faith traditions, Christian particularly, give it credit for. Um, but when you think of, a, of various tribal uh, religions and such. Um, there was a connectedness of saying that the evil that the evil was there, you know. And who are we to talk? We we believe in many ways the same thing. We just have it by more sophisticated names. That's all. Um, and you know, so it was it was a prayer. It was using something, maybe a token of some sort. And and so in many ways, do we not do the same thing? We wear rings. We wear crosses. We wear medals. In many ways, they are doing many of the same things. And it's, it's recognizing that there is more to our world than simply what we can see, touch, and feel or hear. That, that it's bigger than that. And when we deny that, in so many ways, we deny so much that we as a faith tradition believe also. The fact that when we talk about, you know, the communion of saints, when we talk about angels and we just, you know, had that conversation, all of those things, you know, in many ways are simply, you know, different ways that we talk about the issues. And rather than, you know, labeling something pagan or whatever sure. and saying, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. We just call it by a different name. Um, and we just happen to have, you know, maybe a little more influence and authority that say, no, it's going to be called this name because we say so. Organic. We're, we're louder. Yeah, organic. It's organic. <laughs> so when we be, when we, so it's not magic at all. Sometimes you say, oh, you believe in magic. It has nothing to do with magic. Magic is about power. 
Magic is about control. Magic is about, you know, deception. This is not magic. This is about God. <laughs> this is about Jesus Christ. This is about, you know, trusting in the power and grace of God. So there's nothing magical about this at all. But what it does in so many ways, it broadens the concept. And so when we think about Lent, bring it, bring it back. back home here, is that we talk so often about Lent, and, and we'll be doing more of this in the future, is about almsgiving, is about fasting, is about you know, uh, prayer, and, and all of those things. Where do we learn those things? But in our homes. So that's where we ought to be learning about it. It's about recognizing that we can do things to make us better people that can make a difference in our own families. That by praying together, we are reminded of all of those people in so many ways that have made a difference in our lives. By giving up something, by, by you know, fasting and such, whatever that might be, it's recognizing that it's not just about us. Not just about us. You know, and it could be that something that the family gives up and says, as a family, what we want to do is let's say whether it's money or foods or whatever, we're going to give that to the hungry. It's about, you know, almsgiving. It's about being able to use some of those resources so that when we do tasks or when we earn things, whether it, you know, by a, a little allowance or whatever it might be, that somehow we can share those things. <laughs> and it's interesting how I, and I've challenged some of our uh, teenagers and such and saying, you know, if you guys have got jobs, are you donating some of that money? Well, I don't get much. That's not what I ask. You know, you ask virtually anybody and they don't get enough or they don't get much. <laughs> are you giving a percentage to the poor, to those? And, and this is where this year in St. Luke's with, with Luke's gospel is that, as, as you may have heard me mention, Luke mentions that when it ever comes to wealth, anything surplus is that the poor have a right to it, and you have a responsibility to share it. Not that you give it all away. Luke doesn't say that. It's the surplus, and one has a responsibility, you know, to share it. All of those things we, we, we need to be learning at home. And so blessings really are so connected with home in, in so many ways. And, and when, we, when we take those seriously... Uh, it can make our lives, it can make our relationships, it can make our homes just better, better places. And by doing that, it, it helps our parish and, and parish community to be a better place too. Because what happens in that home is, is reflected in so many ways in what's happening in the parish. Blessing. Now, could I give a blessing? Yes, you can give a blessing. There are all sorts of blessings that, that anyone, uh, parents, uh, I encourage parents to bless their children. And you can use water, you can, you know, if you want. Um, uh, yes, you can. Probably not the tribal drowning thing. Don't, no, I, don't I, do that. I, yeah, I usually frown on that or hesitate. But yes, you can do blessings. You can do a blessing, for example, if you had a friend that was going to. And, you know, when it comes to blessings with clergy, the, the thing with when clergy do them, I represent, as a priest, I represent more than myself or, or a small group. When I go and bless a person, let's say anoint them or whatever, in a sacrament or non-sacramental, I represent the whole church, the big church. Okay? No, no pressure. Yeah, none whatsoever. 
when an individual does it, either it's, it's a, usually a much smaller group. That doesn't mean it can't be done. It just means that there is something, you might say there's a, a different framework that, that a person is coming out of. So if you had a dear friend and, and that friend was not well or whatever, and saying there would be nothing preventing you to saying that, and to ask, may I pray a blessing over you? Hmm. I always ask. Even when I'm there for the sacrament, do you mind if I pray a blessing over you and the sacrament? Does anyone say no? Uh, yeah, I've had a few people say no, yes. Interesting. Maybe because by doing that, somehow it might make the reality, and we know they are, some of them. We know that some of them are going to die. They just aren't ready for that reality. But I always respect it. And, and I am not simply going to go in there and saying, you know, you're going to get a blessing whether you like it or not. I would rather not. You're going to get it whether you're Yeah, like called me for a reason, right? <laughs> well, if, if they called me, sometimes families call okay, and they don't ask. Sure. Other times, uh, if the person is, let's say, not conscious or they're not able to communicate, then we're going to work on the assumption that they were, let's say, a faith-filled person, they believed in God. Then we're going to go with the assumption that yes. But if a person says to me, no, I would rather not, then I respect that. It freaks everybody else around there that is expecting it to happen. And and then, you know, it's like, okay. And and I will say, I respect your decision. And then when I leave, then people are saying, you know, why didn't you? I said, first of all, they're not dead. Second of all, they still can make decisions. Third of all, this isn't about what you want. It's about what they're asking. Mm-hmm. You don't force, wouldn't force someone to get married. I wouldn't force somebody to be baptized. Why would I force the sacrament of anointing? So, yes. But like I said, if you were to have a friend and, and you were to, uh, ask, to ask them, would you mind if I pray a blessing over you? You would be, would be more than, you know, sacred and, and natural in so many ways for you to say and to pray a blessing for your friend. And to ask God's blessing. Interesting. It would make all the sense in the world. So it's not just priests and deacons that can bless things. Not at all. Um, not at all. Now there are things that, like I said, used for the whole community, churches. Those, you know, then there are some <laughs> things that only, the, for example, the bishop can bless. Sure. Um, there are some things that you know a priest can bless, but those are are not that many really. But if it's if it's for the whole congregation, yeah. So I can't go and be like, oh, I bless this church. It's fine. No. We're good. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah, what can I say? <clears throat> so blessings, though, here again, when you think about the origin of all of this, families got together and prayed a meal, and the, the leader of the house, male or female, they prayed over that bread, they broke the bread, and they shared it with whoever was gathered, and some of it was taken to those who couldn't be there, Eucharist. I mean, I guess if you're doing the dinner prayer, the traditional bless us, O Lord, that's a blessing, asking for a blessing yes, too. Yes, it is a blessing. Hmm. And that's why it's nice sometimes when they go around, um, or when a, you know, a key member, let's say a mom or dad, or whomever you know, blesses on behalf of the whole group, um, sometimes they'll have a guest do that. It's interesting how uh, in the number of times if I go and, and I'm a guest and I say, Father, you do the blessing. You know, you do it better than we do. <laughs> and, and part of that, you know, of course, I would, you know, do the blessing if they really want me to. 
But I also say to folks is that, you know, sometimes I need to be blessed too because I'm there as a guest. I'm there to gather with you around your table. I'm not there as a presider over that table. The presider over the table is the cook, you know, or whatever, or, or mom or dad. They're the presider over that. And so that means that I share in the blessing that they are asking upon this whole group. Comes out of the home and very organic. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Just, it's amazing. Blessings. <laughs> Blessings. Yeah. Not just for clergy anymore. <laughs> the t- new tagline. Yeah. All right. Well, that was some good information. We will leave it there. We hope you enjoyed that and we'll see you next time.